0: Good evening, church. Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem another way. This is the word of the Lord
1: be to God. Thank you, Charlotte, for reading for us the word this evening. Shall we bow our heads as we commit this time to the Lord in prayer? Shall we pray? So gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your love. Thank you, Lord, that in this season of Advent, we can rejoice at the coming of your Son, Jesus, who came to die on the cross for our sins. And also, Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for the availability of your word. And so this evening, as we gather together to prepare ourselves for the coming of your Son, we pray, Lord, that you prepare our hearts to receive your word so that we can be faithful and obedient doers of what you want to teach us. So Holy Spirit, come into our midst, touch our hearts, mold us, make us, challenge us as we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, it's that time of the year again. And if you are living on the other side of the globe, you'll find that snow will be falling down from the heavens. It's the time of the year where the Christmas tree will be taken out of the closet and decorated. It's the time where we start going to the mall to buy presents for our loved ones, and of course, don't forget about me. However, if you're on this side, of the world, you will probably be headed down to a famous stretch to view the beautiful lightings along Orchard Road. And yet for others, you find that this is a time for partying, a time for getting reacquainted back with another after two long years of hiatus due to the pandemic. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Christmas, the season of Advent. Now, Christmas is indeed an occasion for shopping, feasting, and merrymaking. Don't mistaken about this. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be doing this. But truth of the matter is this. You see, it is very easy for you and I to get so excited and to somehow get sucked into the many festivities. And so the question for us is this. Is the most wonderful time of the year essentially only about all these things that I've just mentioned earlier on? Well, if it is, then I'm afraid we have truly missed out. We have truly lost sight of the real meaning for the reason of the season. You know, as someone once said this, has Santa Claus been the cause of the season? Is Christmas about Father Christmas? Or is it on the Father who sent his Son? You see, the danger before us is that the familiarity of Christmas can easily cause us, all of us, to overlook the most vital and essential expression for a meaningful season. You see, it's possible that we, have, we can sing the songs of the Christmas carol so many times that we fail to appreciate its real meaning. It's possible that we have heard the timeless tale of how Mary and Joseph, you know, how they wandered through to Bethlehem that we we fail to stop to ponder why it happened. And today, it's important for us to remember, to remind ourselves that for us as Christians, this season of Advent should not be just a time of endless feasting, but rather, the season of Advent should be a time of celebrating, of rejoicing at the birth of the coming Savior. And as I mentioned advent yeah it's a time where we remember the first coming of christ that he came to die on the cross for our sins and it's also to prepare us for his second coming where he will come again to reign as lord and king over the world hence it should be a time of awe it should be a time of reverence it should be a time of wonder but is it you know with all this holidaying With all this merrymaking and eating, it's possible that we can lose sight of this. And in the words of Luke 21 verse 34, the author rightly remarks that we can be weighed down with much carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of life. And I think you can agree with me that Christmas has been so dramatically altered that it has become an event filled with frenzied activities to the extent that Jesus... It's totally absent, it's totally ignored, and worse, we celebrate Christmas by forgetting that it is the birthday of our Lord and Savior. You know, the story was told of two women, (coughs) they were having lunch together in an exclusive restaurant. A friend of them happened to chance upon them and so began to inquire what they were doing here for the meeting. And so one of the women replied, oh, we're having a birthday party for my two-year-old son. But the friend, looking around and seeing no one else, then asked, but where's the baby? And the woman simply answered this, oh, he's at my mother's house. She's taking care of him until the party's over. And then she said, you see, it won't be much fun with him along." Ridiculous, isn't it? How absurd. To have a birthday celebration when the child is not even present for his party and yet when we think about this that's exactly the way how many people around the world including us christians this is the way we commemorate christmas today yes we celebrate we have party we enjoy ourselves but we forget that we are doing this because it is the birthday of jesus And Jesus is missing from the celebration. So this Christmas, to ensure that we don't lift the most important people out, what can we do? Yes, I say it again, we can enjoy the excitement of the season. But at the same time, let it not become an obstacle to the real purpose of Christmas. Today, let me suggest to you that we spend some time reflecting over a common Christmas scene that is very familiar to all of us during this Advent season. It is a scene that we can find it maybe for some of you in your homes, not in our church, but some churches they do have it. You can find it in Christmas cards, and maybe if you go some places to the mall, you may be able to find this scene. I'm referring to the Nativity scene. And for today, our attention will be on three objects, namely the star the stable, and the manger. And in the subsequent weeks that follow, we will then focus on another three, the shepherd, the angels, and the baby. So to start off, let's look at the Christmas star. And once again, I want us to refer to the passage that Charlotte has read. If you have your Bibles, once again, turn to Matthew chapter 2, and let's look again at verse 1 to verse 2. Matthew, the author, writes, he says that now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now believe it or not, this particular star that we're referring to, was a symbol of God's direction for a group of wise men from the east who were seeking to find Jesus. And you know, it's pointed out in the text. We find that God commissioned this particular star to serve as a kind of a travel guide for them. And if you go on to verse 9, Verse 9 continues to reveal to us that this star not only led them to Jerusalem, but it went ahead of them until it stopped over to the place where the child was. That means it didn't just tell them, go this way, go there. It literally stopped to where Jesus could be found. And then look at verse 10. And upon locating the family, we are told that the wise men, they rejoice with exceedingly great joy. Now, I want us to realize that the emphasis, the key emphasis here is on the rejoicing of the wise men. Why did they rejoice? They rejoiced simply because they realized that God had provided the star for them, a very accurate guide to where they were heading. Now, remember this. Bear in mind that the wise men, they may be wise, but we must not forget that they were also foreigners, in a new land. And they have absolutely no knowledge of the land before them. It's like if you were to go to a holiday to a, to a different country, you will not know the place. You'll be lost. But because of this star, they were not lost. They were not ending up wandering about because they were able to find Jesus because of this guiding star. Now, I'm sure many of us. We all know what it's like to be lost because we all have our fair share of this experience. I myself, to tell you the truth, I've been lost, not once, not twice, but many times. I remember when I was just a small boy, you know, I was going out with my aunt, we were sitting in a bus, and you know, at that time being young, first time going out, you know, I was awed by the beautiful high rise building down at Raffles Key. And as I was admiring all the building, I didn't hear my auntie calling me that it was time to come down from the bus. And after a while, as I turned around to ask my auntie what this building is about. Lo and behold, she wasn't there. And so as a young boy, I came down from the bus, ended up at Raffleski, lost, wandering, all alone. Then as I grew older, as a teenager, like all NS men, we get lost in the jungle. And then as I grew older, and being, staying in the East, all of, most of us staying in the East, I can, guess you can agree with me. We Easterners don't like the HDB flats on the West. Because wherever you go to the West, unfamiliar HDB estate, wherever you turn, all looks the same, isn't it? Yeah, all high-rise building. you will never find your way. So yes, we all have been lost, before. And let me just say this, that getting lost is not a nice feeling at all, isn't it? When you get lost, you, you experience all this anxiety, you, you experience this fear, you experience this frustration, and sometimes if, if you're with someone, you can end up arguing and, and fighting with one another. But note that the wise men, they were not lost. They were not lost because they were able to find a way. Why? Because God appointed a star for them to lead them to their destination. And that is why verse 11 tells us, they rejoice and they gave thanks. And at this point, I want us to just spend a moment as we reflect on the star. And as we reflect on the star, I want you to think about two things. Firstly, think about your own Christian life. The reason why all of you are seated here in this pew right now in this church is simply because God had provided a star into your life. Someone to lead you to Him. And that someone could be maybe your family member, it could be a friend, it could be your neighbor, it could be your colleague, or may even be someone in the church. So I want us we reflect on the star, retrace back your own spiritual journey, how you came to Christ. And as you think about this, would you, like the wise man, take this time to appropriately give thanks to God for that star in your life? Because not, if not for that star, you won't be here, isn't it? You'll probably be out there with your friends, enjoying yourself and not realizing that Christmas is all about Jesus. So I think it's appropriate. Like the wise men, when they rejoice that they were not lost, we are not lost, we are found, we should give thanks to God for that star, no matter who that person may be. Secondly, as you reflect also over the star, I want you to consider your Christian calling. <laughs> what is it that God is calling you to be a Christian for? You know, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16, We are the light of the world. And as light of the world, what are we to do? We are to shine before men. We are to show Christ to those who are living in darkness. So as you consider Christian calling today, as you reflect on the star, is God calling you to be a star to someone this Christmas? Perhaps... It could be a person who you've been trying to reach out for a long time. Perhaps it could be, again, someone, you know, that you may come across recently. Maybe that's the opportunity that God is trying to tell you. Reach out. Be that star. Invite them for a coming Christian event. Invite them to church. Invite them and share with them the love of Christ. So as we pause right now for a moment to give thanks to God for the star life and to pray and be a star to someone that we can lead to christ let this song minister to us shall we just bow close our eyes just reflect meditate and if you need to give thanks you give thanks if not you pray for that someone that god can lead you let's have the song for when is okay let's continue on let let's continue to just spend a moment all right let's give thanks to God for the star in your life and to ask the Lord that you can be a star to someone this Christmas. Now, as we continue on in our focus on the nativity scene, the next object for us that we want to view is the very place where Jesus was born. And where was Jesus born? He was born in a stable. And what do you see when you gaze at the stable? I mean, like any stable, you know, it is a dark, it's a damp place. It is a, it is a place crowded with stinky and smelly animals. And for sure, every doctor, and if you are mothers, you will agree that this is no place to birth a baby. And truth of the matter is, God could have picked any God could have chosen maybe Bethlehem General Hospital, you know, to birth His one and only son. But He didn't. Instead, we are told that God specifically chose the stable, a lowly surrounding as a resting place for His beloved Son. Why? Why did God want to do this? Well, He chose it for a very important reason. Emmanuel, God with us. You see... God had no intention of shielding Jesus from the harsh realities of this life in which you and I face. You see, it is true this birth in a stable that Jesus immediately experienced what it was like to be human. You see, His very first breath was not the fresh, clean air, but the odor of animal urine and dunk. And the very first noise that he heard were the grunts of the many livestock. So you see, from the very beginning, God determined not to shelter Jesus from the crude realities of this world. And the reason is simply to demonstrate that God is present and He is with us, Emmanuel. The stable dust is a symbol of the real world that we live in. A world that is filled with harshness, discrimination, oppression, abandonment, rejection, hurt, and wars. And Jesus came to live in this same cold world as ours. And because He was here, He understood what we will be going through because He Himself experienced them all. Finally, let's zoom in on the manger. Now, what exactly is a manger? Now, if you see the picture up on the screen, you find that a manger is simply nothing more than a feeding bin for cattle. It is a rather crude, constructed piece of farm furniture, very ordinary and plain in every way. Now, we have no clue to what a manger looks like except for the fact that Holy Scriptures make mention of it. We read in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, that Mary gave birth to a firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger. Now, church, listen to this. The significance of the manger is found in this last five words. Laid him in a manger. You see, the... Jesus was laid in a manger, something amazing happened. The moment Jesus was laid in the manger, that ordinary piece of equipment, plain and simple, now becomes extraordinary. A, coming, a common feeding for cattle has now in that moment been transformed into a cradle that is fit for a king. The manger thus becomes a symbol to us of what can happen to the ordinary when Jesus resides in it. Now, this is illustrated by the story. Perhaps some of you may heard of this story. The story of three trees. There was once three trees that stood high on a hill, and they all dreamt of what they would want to become. One of them dreamed of being part of a structure of a magnificent palace fit for a king. The second dream that he can become a strong sailing ship, capable of carrying important delegates on important voyages. As for the third tree, he dreamt of being a beautiful treasure box, able to be filled with gems, gold, and other precious jewelry. Now, years passed, and the tree grew strong and sturdy. Then one day, a woodsman came and chopped down all the three trees. The first tree was brought into a carpenter's shop, but alas, he was not constructed into anything, but he was simply cut up to be just timber. But little did he realize that as a timber, he eventually would be used as the beam of the cross that nailed Jesus. The second tree was brought into a shipyard but not to be formed as part of a mighty sailing ship as he would want to be. Instead, he was crafted into a small and simple sailing ship for fishermen, where Jesus would eventually use to stand in as he preaches to the masses. As for the third tree, he was not carved into a treasure chest. Instead, he was made into a plain, rough feeding box for animals. Then one night, a young couple arrived. That night, instead of being an object that nourishes animals, that manger became the resting place for the Savior of the world. A sense of awe came over that tree. He realized that he was now transformed to to, to be used to carry the greatest treasure for the world you see church the point is this all three trees understood that they could be transformed and used for a higher purpose and god can use and transform each and every one of us for his purpose you know for sure we can say god could have used better people to accomplish his tasks to accomplish what he wants to do yet you find scriptures teaches us that he often used ordinary people folks like you and i Inadequate, unwise, and often lacking in faith. The Bible tells us of many examples. We have, for instance, Moses. He was a man, you know, before he became the great and humble Moses. Moses, as you know, was a man who was a murderer. He killed someone, and not only did he kill someone, he was a man of excuses. Whenever, when God called him to lead the people out of Egypt, you recall that he gave all sorts of excuses that he, he wasn't good in speaking, that, you know, he, he, he didn't have the confidence and so forth. So Moses wasn't a great person, but yet God used him. You go into the New Testament, we have Peter. And again, we know Peter, isn't it? The brash, rash guy. You know, he, 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 he doesn't think before he says things. You know, he tells Jesus, you know, he saw Jesus walking in the water. He said, if you are the Lord, call me and I will walk on the water. Illiterate fishermen. And then, of course, we have people like Paul, an enemy of God. But yet, God was able to use each and every one of them. You find that in each of these examples, God was able to change and transform their ordinary lives the moment they yielded themselves to the Father. Something ordinary can be transformed by the touch of the Master's hand. It's all about us allowing God to work in our lives. So as we reflect now over the both, the stable and the manger, again, two things I want us to consider. Firstly, consider Christ's decision. Think, what motivated Jesus? What motivated Jesus' decision to become like us? Why would Jesus want to become a human? Why make Himself of no reputation, coming in the likeness of man, as Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 says? Why bother to give up His heavenly glory, only to end up in a run-down stable? Have you thought about this? Well, the answer, I believe, boils down firstly to this. It is because, number one, He was willing to do this because of His great love for you and I. You see, Jesus recognized that the world needs a Savior. Jesus recognized that you and I, we are sinful beings. We need a Savior. And Jesus was willing to die on the cross to be that perfect being, to die on the cross for our sins. And so He was willing to take that decision. Secondly, why He was willing to make this decision was because He wants to relate to us. By being a mere man, he could now understand the struggles that you and I face every day. The pressures of life, the pressures of work, the mental stress that many of us perhaps are going through today, right now. And because he has gone through all of this, he has experienced all of this, he understands what you are going through. And so today, if any of us may be weary and heavy laden, know that Christ made this decision to become like one of us so that we can turn to Him and receive the rest that He promises to us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Secondly, as you reflect over the stable and the manger, consider this ask yourself, is your life transformed? Do you want to be transformed and be used? purposefully by God? If your answer is yes, then church, the first thing we need to do is we need to start to contemplate the areas in our life that needs to be changed. God cannot use unclean vessels. Are you living a whole life that is pleasing to God? What negative habits or attitudes needs to be removed? Are you regular in your attendance on the Sabbath? Or is your attendance in church irregular? One week you come, one week you don't come. Bear in mind that when we don't attend service on Sunday, we are breaking the Ten Commandments. We are not observing the Sabbath. Are you regular, constant in your reading of the Word of God? Are you serious in your spiritual walk? if you desire God to work in your life to be that star to bring someone to Christ we have to be clean vessels before him and i know as christians as humans we do face many struggles but the good news for us is that our life can be transformed just as god jesus the moment he laid his head on the manger it was transformed into a royal bed god is able to transform each and every one of us but we must first be willing to yield to Him, to allow God to change our bad attitudes, our negative thoughts, our actions that is not pleasing to Him. So if you are struggling in any of these areas, would you ask the Lord through the Holy Spirit to transform you the way He transformed the manger into a royal bed? Christmas It's all about Jesus. And the nativity scene is a clear reminder of this. When we look at the star, we see it as a symbol of God's direction to lead us into the presence of Jesus. And just as the star was a guide to the wise men to find Jesus, may we become a star this Christmas in helping someone else to discover the Savior. When you look at the nativity scene, you find a stable. the stable is a reminder that Jesus came into the real world and is thus able to understand what you and I are going through, the struggles in life, the pressures. And if your life is weary and heavy laden, it is not by drinking or feasting that can take away our sorrows. Seek Jesus and find that rest. And finally, when you view the manger where Jesus lay, let it be a reminder for us that it is a symbol of the ordinary being made extraordinary, where we allow ourselves, where we allow Jesus to touch us. As I invite the team to come up, <clears throat> as I close, I want us to open up now for a time of ministry. indeed there's anyone here who is feeling heavy laden you may be burdened by some problem God knows God hears would you take this opportunity as we sing the response song later on would you just come up for time of prayer or it may be some of you you want to change your bad attitudes and habits you want to be transformed so as to be able To use by God, I challenge you also. Would you come forward for a time of ministry, or maybe it's not you yourself? It may be someone that you want to you want to pray for. Again, as we invite you to come up for this time of ministry, would you take the step to do so? And thirdly, if there's someone perhaps you are wanting to bring to Christ, you want to be a star this Christmas, and you want us to pray for you, for that particular person, can I invite you also to take the bold step to come forward and to pray for that person. We have the team up here, Pastor Mabel, Carl, Danny, the leaders are here, so if you do have any prayer requests, as we sing this song, may you come forward and be ministered. Let's pray. Father, indeed, we want to give you thanks for your presence that is in our midst today. Thank you, Lord, Thank you, Lord, for reminding us in your word that as we look into the nativity scene, Lord, let this season of Advent not just be a time of endless eating, fun, and, and, and celebration, but to remind ourselves that Christmas is the time to prepare ourselves for your second coming. And as we do so as we look at the nativity scene let us be reminded of the star that just as you brought the star to the wise men to seek jesus may and as you have brought us a star to find you may we be that star to someone this christmas may you also teach us lord as we are reminded in your word today that lord we can always turn to you because you came to be born in the stable a place of lowly, a place where it is so ordinary so that you can understand what we are going through. And so, Lord, in every situation that we may be facing, Lord, help us to be mindful that we can turn to you and you will give us that rest. And lastly, let us be reminded also that we can be touched just as you have used that manger to be transformed into an ordinary bin to a royal bed you can touch and change us if we yield ourselves to you so father help us as we reflect on the manger as we reflect on these three things over the week may your word continue to seal deep in our hearts and so now as we depart from this place we pray for the blessing of God the almighty the father the son and the holy spirit continue to remain and be with us now and forevermore. amen